If you or a loved one has had thoughts of self-harm, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988 or visiting suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Careful, Rob. This place is like horrifyingly dark, misty, and incredibly slick. Yeah. Is that moss on the floor? It's like the ground is oozing. This is disgusting. I don't I don't like this at all. Why did they send us down here? How do we get in these positions? Honestly, I don't know. It's, I've been, I was asking myself that, you know, a couple minutes ago. Actually, I was like, why do we continuously get ourselves into these? I mean, we're just janitors. Yeah, you know what? I think, again, I'm responsible for this, and I'm sorry. But, you know, when I saw that the captain was Captain Dallas, and he's got that beard, and I'm a sucker for beers, and I thought, hey, we could push a mop around a spaceship. I kind of signed us up. So this is, again, my doing, and I'm so sorry. You and the beard thing again. I apologize. I apologize. But, you know, I feel that we're not the right people to be down here. This seems like... A science officer or someone with a higher rank, not two janitors. We don't even know what we're looking for down here. Yeah, well, you know, I think it was because at breakfast this morning, uh, you were so excited to, I guess, maybe impress him. I mean, you really got, you stripped down right in front of everyone. Well, I was really just, like, I was making eye contact with him because I want to know, like, I'm, hey, I'm interested, you know? So I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone else noticed, though, because they were all, like, eating and stuff. But I, you know, because I, I think he's single. Uh, well, I was watching, uh, looking around the table, and uh, everyone stopped eating, and they handed us these red shirts, and look where we found ourselves. You know, whatever. Well, anyway, I don't know what we're doing down here. I Just be careful. Yeah, there's like a... It's so slick. A layer of mist, lighted mist on the floor. It looks like we're at a Who concert or something. Uh, just be careful. Don't lose your footing. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying. Oh, oh. Oh, hang on, Rob. Oh, and we're down. We're down. Oh, hey. By the way, you know, I didn't get to finish breakfast because of the little incident there, and I'm so hungry right now. And These kind of look like hard-boiled eggs but they're giant rob and they're veiny i don't think this is this is not the breakfast of champions <sighs> i know i'm just so hungry like all i can think about is food and let me just uh let me 
me just do a little taste test here. Oh no! Don't do that! Don't it, don't put that salt on! No no no! Don't do! You oh, need to get out of! Oh, oh hey! Oh! It, it, it opened. That, this is not good, Rob. That kind of I want to like, go. That looks like raw chicken. That's not raw chicken, and it's fluttering. Don't no! Don't put more salt on I'm, that. I'm no. so hungry. Midnight Mask Creature Casters, I hope that you have stripped down to your skivvies and your tank top and you've gotten in your spacesuit and strapped yourself in because I am Mark and I'm joined by the ever awesome. I'm Rob and I bought some tidy whities that were way too small and I also stuck a curled wig down my pants. <laughs> so I'm ready. Good, because we are taking an outer space journey this week on the Midnight Mask Creature Cast to 1979's Alien. Ooh, we've gone intergalactic. We have. Now, this one was your pick, which I'm totally fine with because I love this movie so much. Um, when did you first see it, Rob? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, because I remember as a kid, my sisters, well, I think they were way too young at the time because, you know, 79. Um, but I remember them being denied like some some point in the 80s they were denied from getting into the movie theater because it was rated r and they wouldn't allow anyone under the age of 17 i think yeah exactly you're correct yeah um yeah and so they had to be accompanied by an adult but they really wanted to see this movie um and then it terrified them <laughs> so i think i probably saw it maybe five or six years later after that so i want to say 88 89 when I first saw this movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Actually, we're kind of close probably Rob, because I, <clears throat> so I knew about the movie, you know, the, the commercials like terrified me, the TV spots, mm -hmm. which basically all they really were, were the creepy soundtrack and that egg and it would crack. And then that like green beam would come out of it. And that really was the, the trailer. Oh yeah. Uh, see, I never saw and, the TV spots. 
Oh yeah. That scared the bejesus out of me. But like, I was all about that because I loved <laughs> creatures and stuff. I just, I, I wanted to see this so bad, but of course I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, uh, when I got my job at Jack in the box and I start making payola, which is a lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bought a used copy of it because um, they wouldn't sell me, uh, you know, they had no unused ones, a used copy of it. And I watched that thing like on repeat. I still remember the case <laughs> it came in. It was like a, it wasn't your regular uh, VHS case. It like was in like a, like the slip cover and it slid out on the side, like a drawer. Um, oh, okay. And I only had two movies or two, two VHS things like that. Alien was like that. And then my Stevie Nicks live at the Red Rocks concert was like that as well. They were both, I think like CBS Fox. Um, Wasn't yeah, there I, like, um, I'm trying to think back. You remember how Blockbuster and Hollywood video used to have the clamshell cases, uh, the plastic ones that would open up. Oh yeah. And yeah, sometimes, yeah. Uh, sometimes the, like the studios or something would actually have those plastic cases as opposed to the cardboard ones that would the VHS just slips right out of it. So what you're talking about when I bought the evil dead was in a clamshell like that. I think that was thorny. EMI, I think? And it was okay. white. Uh, but oh. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 No, but I watched, but okay. So Rob, I hope you know what I'm talking about. So back in the day, you would have to mess with the tracking to get the picture right. Oh, of course. Yeah. That. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the copy I bought had clearly been rented a bazillion times. So the tracking, you never could fix the top of it. So it always waved to the, like to the left, it would flicker and wave at the top. Mm-hmm. And to this very day, alien still doesn't look right to me. Cause it's not flickering and waving at the top. Cause I was so <laughs> used to that. Yeah. But it's oh. funny what, what you become accustomed to. Right. Life. You know what the worst part of adjusting the tracking was? especially on something that you'd watched probably a hundred times. For me, the, uh, the wavy lines would be in the middle or down at the bottom corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it would be at uh, the picture would be perfect, except for the middle part, there would be the white lines going across. And then mm-hmm. at the bottom, it would be all wavy and wobbly and stuff. And it's just like, you could never fix the tracking the right mm-hmm. way. Nope. Yep, exactly. And this was clearly a well-loved tape. I think they probably picked, Cause they were selling it to me and you know, uh, I think they probably picked the one that had the most rental <laughs> they're like, rental that's... ones on and they're like, give them the crappiest one. Cause I paid, I think like 79 99 for it. Ooh. And it was, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. back then no one was buying this stuff. It was just being sold to the shops that were renting it. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the yeah. prices were steep. Oh, they were crazy town. They were crazy town, but I didn't care. Cause I love this thing. Um, now when it came out at the theaters, um, that summer I was spending the summer in the country and my aunt Linda, um, would take me to the library and I actually got the novelization, um, of the movie. And I read that, um, but there were some differences in the novel as opposed to the movie. So when I actually saw the movie, I was like, Oh, this is different. Um, I remember one big one was Ripley was pregnant with Dallas's child. No way. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm glad they didn't do that in the movie because I hate when it's just 
because you have different genders, they have to be sexually yeah. active with each other. And I like the fact that there's no love interests in this film. It's just like seven people thrown together, really, and they're they're just mm-hmm. kind of getting along. Well, except the two um, the two technicians, they seem to be very broy. Yeah, but I don't think it's like like a. It's just platonic. I don't think. Oh like, yeah, no, no. I just yeah. meant like th- those two. Oh, are, like a deeper relationship. Yeah, they're like the best of friends, while everybody else is just kind of like, let's get along. Yes, yes, I agree with you. Um, I kind of think that has something to do with their position in the company. Like their their engine, those two are engineers, and everyone else, their rankings a little bit higher, and I think that their education levels a little bit higher. Oh, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. That's what I think that, you know, but I, I do agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think that says a lot about uh, the status of people in the film. It reminds me in a way of um, Daniel Baldwin and that, that other character, Chewy from uh, Virus, you know, that, that kind of relationship where they were. Oh, yes. The I had to think about it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Was it Daniel okay. Baldwin or Billy Baldwin? I can't remember. It's not Alex. So they could be anyone. I don't yeah. Care. <laughs> I'm um, so yeah. confused. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so real quick, I'm just going to run through everyone really fast, as fast as I can. Um, now. Rob and I watched different versions of this. I watched the one that came to theaters because that's my preference. I love the theatrical cut. It's um, the one I watched is rated R. It's one hour and 57 minutes. And then Rob opted for the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one runs a little bit longer, I believe, because um, there's more scenes to it. Um, so it was directed by Ridley Scott. Um, a couple of things that I... Probably most people know, but I want to run through him. He did Blade Runner from 1982, which I love. Are you a Blade Runner fan, Rob? I am. I have not seen that in quite some time, though, so I barely remember it. Yeah, I love Blade Runner. I I think that was my first Rutger Hauer movie, and that's where I was kind of like, oh, hello. And Daryl Hannah's in it, which I love Daryl Hannah. She's got the best (laughs) death death scene ever. Um, He also did Legend from 1985. Um, And then he did, uh, of course... Someone to Watch Over Me from 87. Thelma and Louise from 91. He did Hannibal, where they replaced uh, uh, Jodie Foster with Julianne Moore um, from 2001. And then he revisited the Alien franchise again with Prometheus in 2012 and uh, Alien Covenant in 2017. Um, Now, for all intents and purposes, Rob, I don't know how you plan on doing this, but I really wasn't going to delve really into the other Alien films on this episode. I was going to make mention of certain things like only in only in questions that I wanted to ask you about. But other okay, than that. Sir, OK, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm not going to really run down like all the other. films. OK. Yeah. And then another one that I would recommend of his is House of Gucci from 2021 with Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. That's a pretty interesting film. Hmm. Now, um, as far as the writers of this film. Friend of Dan the podcast. O- yeah. Dan O'Bannon. Friend of the podcast, Dan O'Bannon, uh, who did Dead and Buried from uh, 81 and Return Living Dead from 85. He also worked on Life Force from 85 and Total Recall from 1990. And doesn't and then, this, uh, certain scenes in this film had that Life Force kind of vibe to it? Did you notice yes, that? Yes. And I'll be honest with you, I almost see touches of Total Recall. 
Oh, yes. I, I can see that. And because it's such an ensemble cast, it kind of touches on Return of the Living Dead because that's a big ensemble cast as well. Okay. I think that Dan O'Bannon likes that ensemble feel to his hmm. films. Yeah. Now he was also uh, he was also joined in the writing responsibilities by Ronald Shusett, and then Ronald worked with him on Dead and Buried and Total Recall. But then on his own accord, he did Phobia from 1980, um, The Final Terror. It's a uh, like a forest horror, like think like Friday Thirteenth, kind of like that, but not in a summer camp um, from 83. And then he did the amazingly awful but good King Kong Lives from 1986 with Linda Hamilton, um, which oh, was odd seeing okay. that one. Yeah. Okay. So now, the like I said earlier, it's an ensemble cast. So I'm going to be really good and I'm going to limit it pretty much to just one movie per person so I can fly through the cast of characters that we have uh, manning the Nostromo, if you're okay with that. Sure. I'm fine with that. Cool. All right. So our captain is Dallas and that's Tom Skerritt. You may want to check out Poltergeist 3 from 1988. Then I'm going to throw a kind of curveball for Sigourney Weaver, who plays Ripley, the warrant officer. I'm going to recommend Ang Lee's The Ice Storm from 1997. Um, that's a pretty cool movie. Uh, not horror, but very intriguing. Oh, I um, remember that. Oh, that's where they have the party and everybody puts their keys in the punch bowl and... Yeah, but it's got a, like a lot of actors and actresses, especially the younger kids. Like I think like Katie Holmes, yeah, and um, mm. uh, Elijah Wood. Yeah, it's just really good. Not they're not part of the key party, but no. <laughs> but they're in the cast. Yeah, you know? that Kevin, movie is just totally effed up. It's dark as hell. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, and then we have our executive officer Kane, played by John Hurt. Um, I'm going to recommend The Elephant Man by director uh, David Lynch uh, from 1980. Um, it also has Anthony Hopkins in the film as well. Um, and then we have Ash, our science officer for now. Hmm. Um, and that's Ian Holm. <clears throat> and now he was in David Cronenberg's is existence from 1999, which have you seen that one, Rob? Is it existence or existence? Yes. Yeah. Existence. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I believe I did see that. Yeah. I like that one. Body horror galore. So yeah. And then um, our, Navigator is Lambert, played by Veronica Cartwright. Um, I'm going to recommend Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 78 remake from her. Um, then our engineers, we've got Parker, who's Yafit Koto. Um, I'm going to recommend the 1989 film, The Jigsaw Murders, for him. And then Brett, we have Harry Dean Stanton. And I'm uh, going to go back to David Lynch. He directed 1990's Wild at Heart uh, with Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage. That was one I'd recommend checking out if you want another uh, Harry Dean Stanton film. Now, our alien was portrayed by a 26-year-old um, Nigerian graphic artist. Um, I believe it's Bolaji Badeo. So it's B-O-L-A-J-I-B-A-D-E-J-O. Um, he was very thin. They've actually found him in a bar and uh, they coerced him into uh, portraying their <laughs> alien. Um, now, there are two other people. Um, one is uh, and they're both uncredited. Um, one is Eddie Powell. And uh, if you're going to check out any film by him, I recommend the Hammer movie, The Devil Rides Out, where he plays the goat of Mendez. Uh, it's one of my son's favorite horror movies. It's it's a great like little supernatural one. Um, 
Now, another person that's connected with this, also playing the alien in an accredited role, is Royal uh, Scamnell, S-C-A-M-N-E-L. He was in Flash Gordon, the Sam Jones one from 1980. Okay. Um, then Mother is voiced by Helen Horton, who was in Phase 4 from 1974 about killer ants. If anyone out there loves those uh, animal attack films, that's a pretty cool one. <clears throat> now... I don't think we can talk about Alien without mentioning the artist H.R. Geiger or Giger. It's, I've heard it pronounced different ways because he's the one responsible for the whole look of the creature and the ship and everything. He's just yeah. very instrumental for all of that. And I think one of his uh, in the space jockey scene, I do believe that one of his paintings, they I um, I might be speaking out of turn here. But I think that the painting existed before uh, the before the movie. And correct, and, and it and he had a book as well called the Necronomicon. Um, and so Dan O'Bannon is the one who really fought to get him involved with the film. Okay, and he actually um, <clears throat> it's so I posted this on my account because I also have Mark in a movie, and it's a documentary called memory um it, uh what was it memory oh memory the origins of alien it's fascinating rob um i think you would get a kick out of it anyone who's like an alien fan you really need to watch this you will get such a whole other appreciation out of this film um but anyway dan o'bannon was a big fan of geiger's and uh he really fought for him to be involved with this production yeah um like originally too. Ridley Scott wasn't attached to this. Uh, Walter Hill was supposed to direct it. I believe his name was, um, but he dropped out at the last minute. It's, uh, the whole thing was very interesting. Very interesting. I'd like highly recommend that documentary. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Cause I'm, I'm a huge fan of HR Geiger's work. Um, like a lot of the metal albums that I listen to have uh, some of his paintings on their covers. And so it's, <laughs> it's just like, there's Geiger everywhere. So, I love Blondie and Debbie Harry did a solo album called Cuckoo and he designed the cover of that album. And my grandmother almost didn't buy me the album because the <laughs> cover was so jarring because it basically has Debbie Harry with like pins going through her face. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, so yeah, he's worked with like all sorts of different people. Um, very interesting. And then just really quick, I think the score is amazing for this film. And that's Jerry Goldsmith. Um, another film he worked on that you might want to check out is The Omen from 1976, which also has a really great score. Yeah, you see the Goldsmith name attached to a lot of uh, the 80s movie scores. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool. Uh, it, to me, it's like you've got like a trifecta of people working on this. You've got Ridley Scott. You've got Geiger. You've got Dan O'Bannon's script. You know, it's just the fates kind of fell in line to give us this incredibly nightmarish vision you <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> and this almost this uh this the feel of this movie is almost timeless like you definitely could not date it to the 70s because the look and feel of everything it almost feels like it could be done now too but uh without cgi just like practical effects all the way okay that yes and also like so i watch <laughs> a lot of like sci-fi sci-fi horror things where it's supposed to be like set in the future mm -hmm. but it basically looks just like 
80s fashion because a lot of these were like filmed in the 80s. <laughs> yes. But it's like that like dates it right there. Whereas yeah. these guys, like you said, they just look like you're Joe Schmo. I just stepped in to go to work. You know, that there's no weird haircuts and their clothes are just like jumpers. You yeah. know, it's not like, you know, they don't have like uh shoulder pads like, you know, where they have to turn sideways just to get in the door or you know what I mean? Right, right. And even yeah. the ship design too, like I would say the only thing that dates it are the the computer generated graphics on like on the screens and stuff where it shows like hills and valleys, that kind of thing. I believe that would be the only thing that dates it. It, co- it kind of reminds me of Tron in a way, like almost just like those, you know, those I, computer images. Yeah, I agree with you, but also it makes it to me. And I don't mean that the movie's cheap, but it makes it look like the corporation they're working for is maybe doing things on the cheap. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. like hey, here, here's this crappy Commodore computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, basically what we're dealing with um, is a commercial towing vehicle, the Nostromo. It's got seven crew members and it's cargo. It's a refinery. Basically, it's got what? 20,000 tons of mineral ore and it's yeah. basically returning home. And that's crazy for a gigantic ship that lugs. Well, I put 20 million cause I don't know if it's 20,000 or 20. I think, million. no, I think you're right. I, I'm bad. <laughs> Folks, I'm really bad with numbers. <laughs> I'm, I'm bad with commas. Like I almost said 20 billion yeah. and I was like, wait, no, that's, that's not enough zeros. Yeah. But it's, it's you've a got, a, you've got a skeleton crew of seven people. On a gigantic ship like that, it, it probably takes an hour just to get to where you're going. I mean, I don't oh, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now, okay, let me keep going. Well, no, I'll say this now. So Dan O'Bannon's script, uh, well, number one, they all had different names. And also he wrote it where the sexes could be interchangeable. So they didn't have to be a woman or a man. It was just like... Uh, just a person's name. You yeah, know just saying? by their so, last name, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it didn't matter. You could ca- this could be all women. Mm-hmm. You know, it could have been all men. You know, it, it did not play a role whatsoever into this. Um, anyway, okay. So I love how the ship is so very still. Yeah. Um, it's uh very like a very stark contrast to intro the film. And then it just picks up right from there. Yeah, it's very creepy and unsettling, too. I I have a thing with, how do I explain this? Like, you're asleep, but everything's still existing, even though you're, like, taken out of the equation because you're Mm -hmm. you're not awake. It's just a me thing, I think. But I find that all very creepy. And so this, like, really creeps me out. And I love that there are some things moving, like there's the, and they even make note of this in the documentary, but, like, the papers are kind of fluttering. And you've got the little drinking yeah. birds that are moving. Right. And I've always wanted one of those on my desk. Actually, Walt's sister got him one because they had one when they were little and we've got in the kitchen window. But yeah, just stuff <laughs> cool. like that, you know, that are just little things that are still almost alive when everything else is yeah. all intents and purposes dead. And you know, those emergency helmets, right? Uh, I, w- I just wanted to touch on this really quick. Um, when I first saw this movie, I thought the emergency helmets were actual robots piloting the ship while everybody was asleep. Oh, okay. I could see that. <laughs> As a kid, I could totally see that. I could totally see that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, basically, the screen kind of pops to life on the ship with a message. And then everything 
starts to come awake. The lights pop on and then the the like sleep chambers are opened up and the crew is, you know, stirs to life and everything. Um now I'm gonna sound like an idiot saying this because I've seen this so many times, Rob, but we're watching it and you know the, the thing pops open and I freeze the picture and I'm like, because I'm like, well, you know, because Yafet Koto is the only African-American in the film. And so I'm like, that's that's Parker. And I'm looking over. I'm like, that's Lampert, who's Veronica Cartwright. I'm like, that's her, but she's got tape over her breasts. And in the scene where they first awaken and then, you know, Walt was doing his trivia like he always does. And he's like, yeah. So what they did is, and I guess maybe Sigourney Weaver as well, but I don't really know where she is in the layout of them all awakening in the scene. Yeah. But Veronica Cartwright, they have like a little white strip of tape that goes just right over her nipples, but she's topless. You know, I didn't even notice that. The only thing that, um, and I noticed this as kind of a foreshadowing, is that uh, Kane was the first one to wake up and, you know, he's just yes. moving around and everything. I put that down too. And I never really made that connection either. That's it's. I love doing the show and I love rewatching I don't know if it's the same for you, Rob, but I watch these movies differently knowing I'm going to talk about them like, do, for the yeah, show. I do too. I, and I specifically like, I don't actively try to look for things, but it's like, as I'm watching, I notice things that I never noticed. And I'm like, oh, okay, I want to talk about this because this seems important. So that that's when I make note of it. Right. Well, and okay, we should say this, folks. If you've not, for some reason, gotten through life and never seen Alien we're going to spoil this. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to, we're totally going to destroy everything about this movie. Yeah. So, you know, definitely see it. But I think one of the reasons it slipped past me is because uh, Ripley has long hair, but Lambert's hair is very short in the film. And I just kind of like brushed over it and just assumed she was one of the, the male pass or uh, crew members. Hmm. And then I really got to look at him like, no, that's Lambert. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, just a real quick aside, apparently, the movie at some point in its conception between like when everything was being played out and then what they actually filmed, there was going to be more, uh, I guess, nudity and sexuality. And I'll get into that more at the end of the show, oh. but they kind of downplayed that because they were afraid it wouldn't appeal to, or wouldn't even play in certain countries because of that. Well, and they I'm wanted glad, this to be a big moneymaker. I'm glad they did because there, there was no need for it. The, oh, no, none whatsoever. You do not need that kind of stuff. I hate that stuff. No, yeah. I love that. And oh, I, mean, I also the, the oh, scene ahead. with Ripley, you know, in her underwear and, and the underwear is just don't get me wrong. I love that. But I mean, it's just unnecessary. <laughs> oh, it's so, so it's so pandering, isn't it? Yeah, it really yeah. is. I, it doesn't need, now, if it was Dallas, <laughs> I'd be fine. That would it. be a different um, story, huh? Different story. Um, I also, I feel the need to say this. In so many ways, Alien was the first movie to establish so many of these tropes. So you watch this now, you know, like what, 40 some odd years later, you're like, oh, I've seen that. This has been done. But it's like, no, no. This was the first movie to do that. Like this whole like ensemble crew in space. And then, you know, coming up, we'll get the breakfast scene, you know, at the table. Like Alien is really the one that made a lot of these things tropes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to remember that, you know, you can't. You can't compare something that did it first and then 
compare it to everything that came after and they'd be like, oh, this is tired and done. Because it's <laughs> right. like, no, it was the original one. Yeah, because it didn't exist before that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, so, um, and then um, I love it, the breakfast table. Basically, it's just like banter between the crew and everything. But the one main thing, and I kind of touched on this earlier, is that Parker and Brett are your so you've got blue collar and white collar workers mixed here mm -hmm. and the Parker and Brett, uh, Harry Dean and Yafit, they're the working class people on this ship. And they're very concerned with like their bonuses and their pay and everything. Um, that that's like, that's what's all consuming to them. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much that's where I drew like the the parallel between them and the two on on the ship of virus. Right. Yeah. Because yes. everybody else was kind of like, uh, well, I guess they might have been all the same, but it seemed like those two were just like the ones down in the in the belly of the beast of the ship, you know, kind of doing their job while mm -hmm. everybody else was exactly navigating. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, you almost wonder if the others are more like a salary pay and these guys are paid on a different scale kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Yes. But I think that's a cool dynamic and interesting dynamic mm -hmm. that's in the film. Okay. So, all right. So during breakfast, uh, mother, who's like the, the, the ship's internal computer system interrupts and, uh, makes note that she needs to speak with Dallas. So he goes to his little chamber, which is kind of all by, by its lonesome. And uh, while he's in there and everything, this is where they start to figure out that they are nowhere really close to being home. And they've been aw uh, awakened from their slumber uh, for a reason, um, not because they're ready to land. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just breathing. <laughs> oh, OK. So basically what it is, is they're halfway home and mother has stopped the course because they've intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. And they're not quite sure if it's an SOS and they're not even really sure it's from a human uh, person that sent the, the uh, message. Um, <clears throat> and that doesn't Ripley make note that there's no human civilizations out there, like wherever they are. Uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. And then, um, and then uh, they're, they're worried about their, like, is this going to give them, you know, I'm sorry, Parker and Brett, again, are worried about the pay and everything. And then, you know, Ash, the uh, the ship science officer, he brings up, well, you know, if you don't kind of go along with this, you're going to be forfeiting your shares that you already have. And so all of a sudden, the other two men who were reluctant before decide to go along with everything. Yeah, I think that we'll get extra. Yeah. So now the, the craft is landing on this. Uh, planetoid uh to go in search of maybe where this beacon is coming from this this uh, signal is is emanating from um the landing is very turbulent but they eventually make it down on this planet that looks very desolate it's super rocky terrain very windy very dark um and in the interim of landing one of their hulls has been breached so the two engineers are um forced to work with that while uh, Dallas and Lambert and Kane head out to kind of just check out the uh, surrounding planetoid that they've landed on. Um, the damage to the thing is going to take them about 24 hours to repair. So they're going to be there for just a little bit. 
Um, Ash at first wants to go along with them, but they just kind of shut that down and he's mainly left watching the monitors. So he gets that like third person privy knowledge, you know, through like Dallas's headset and everything. And, and, and video set. Oh, um, dude, I got I got Ash and Kane mixed up a bit. I was like, wait a minute, wasn't Ash the one? No, okay. So we're seeing that, but did you see like when they landed on the planet? And this was the first uh, indication that Ash is either not quite right or there's you know something going on when he did that little weird dance. Almost there's there's so much about this that when you know what you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) about ash you go back and watch this there are so many things that this actor does that's really quite uh cool on his part it's very clever um but they were also mentioning i'm sorry in the documentary how often he set up in shots where it's the crew and then him away from the crew. Mm, okay. So that, so like visually they're already starting to like separate him from them. Yeah. It's like a him versus them kind of thing. Oh yeah. But there's so many looks where you're like that, that guy's in on something that they're not, that you don't really <laughs> pick up on it. Right. And that little thing he did, it's almost like a movement that you do when you just did a strike in bowling or something where, you know, or you're, you're excited. Yeah. Like, you're like super yeah. excited. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was um, like, hold on, something's up with this. Let me keep an eye on him. Yeah. I don't know. Should we talk about him now or should we save it? Oh, uh, let's save it. Yeah. Okay. 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 And then Ash also tells him about the sun's going to be up about 20 minutes. Um, and then this is where Kane comes up with the idea that are we, you know, within walking distance to the transmission? And so they decide that they're just going to kind of head off to where they believe that this is signal's been coming from been mm-hmm. emitting from so the to me the plan's like super unwelcoming there's like all this dust and debris and everything it's just it's dark it just looks all craggy and rocky <laughs> and everything and yeah even um, if the sun does come up it's not going to get much brighter than that yeah and that, well they make mention that i think it was lambert that said it's like mainly rock and lava base with like a deep coal like layers underneath it and everything mm-hmm. um so this is my notes. I put down ash is really intense. Ash. Um, <laughs> so um, down below, I love the scene real quick where they're working on stuff and they're clearly the men, the engineers have added more time <laughs> yeah, onto like, what they need than they really do. He said 17 hours at first. And then the, the other guy yeah. was like, we'll need 25. Yeah, so Ripley comes down there and they're kind of giving her crap about like the shares and everything. But whenever she talks, did you notice that Parker like messes with the steam so it shoots out in her face? Yeah, and it's so yeah. like they, they <laughs> pretend that they can't hear her. All you right. hear is like hissing. <laughs> <laughs> they're so mean to Ripley. I mean, Ripley like can hold her own, don't get me wrong. But yeah, they're really, they're really uh, jerky. They've got that <laughs> that whole relationship thing going on with her. They're, yeah. Um, finally she just gives up and walks away. (laughs) Right, right, right. And then, so I, I like how subtly they let you in on the character's personality types. Cause like Lampert's kind of gripey and whiny. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. 
to me. He's no Schneider, not, though. He's no Schneider. No, and but she's also not the kind of person that once things go down, you'd really want in that situation. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, it, I it, just it, have some um, based on the scene that we were talking about. Um, according to Yafet Koto, uh, Ridley Scott told him to annoy Sigourney Weaver off camera so that there would be genuine tension between their characters. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Interesting. So Koto said he regretted this because he really liked Sigourney. And I was like, oh, she's I mean, she seems really likable. I've always I've always thought that about her. I have always thought she seems like a super genuinely nice person. Yeah. Um, I like that. I don't think she takes herself super seriously i've always kind of like a likened her to jamie lee curtis like i i like i think she's in on the joke mm, yeah i you don't know i don't get that vibe from her either where she's like one of those uh egotistical driven hollywood types right yeah no i don't think that at all either and this was pretty i mean it wasn't her first movie but it was pretty early on in her mm -hmm. career she didn't do a whole lot before this so it wasn't like she was a big recognizable uh person in the film like star Mm -hmm. which I think really adds to uh, the film. And I think this is like one of the movies that kind of skyrocketed her to start. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, oh, because yes. it was yeah, yeah, just yeah. like yeah. franchise yeah. after franchise. And then she's in like so many other movies and it's just, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I mean, the most memorable thing was like aliens get away from her, you bitch. Um but didn't she say something in this movie similar where she was saying something about, oh, she was like, mother, you bitch. Yeah. Oh, she did it a couple of times. There's like, I think two or three times where she used the word bitch. And I'm like, I don't remember that before, but I'm like, yeah, she's so clearly this is in her vernacular. So she likes the word bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, so, but there's also that scene where she checks in with Ash about what mother said. And he's like, very kind of like evasive in his answer with her. Oh yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, this there are certain movies that are enjoyable, but they have a one-off watch quality. But to me, this is like every time I watch this thing, there's something new about this. Right. And just oh. when I watched it last night, it was a brand new discovery. Like there were certain things that I had not noticed before. And I was like, okay, I want to make note of this so we could talk about it. Oh yeah. It's amazing. I, I'm telling you folks. Well, anyway, so um, the three, members who have gone out like on the little mission to find the uh, transmission signal, they basically spy a downed craft. That's gigantic. The thing's gigantic to me. It's a very odd shape for a craft. Uh, it's, it's uh, like a crescent moon shaped. Um, yeah. I, I just, call it a horseshoe. Like a, a yeah, basically. Yes, spaceship. exactly. I, I, I almost want to see it like in flight. Cause it just seems so uh, non aerial 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 dynamically design but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <right>. um <laughs> like how does it fly does it just go woof 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 like yeah you know, when you're, I, yes, when you're throwing exactly. a horseshoe or something right <laughs> <laughs> everyone vomits on board um <laughs> but so now and this i mean i am i don't dislike it but i am making fun of it in a jokey sort of way but Geiger or Giger, if you're familiar with his work, it is incredibly sexually charged. Mm -hmm. Like things look like or are, uh, you know, penises and vulvas and breasts. Yeah. Um, yep. And so basically they come upon these three giant openings that really do look like a sexual orifice of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
So you're you're basically inside of a fallopian tube. Yeah, it really does look like that. Um, so once inside, it's it's so eerily quiet in there to me, and um, it's weird because it's it's moist. It's very it's very it's like the walls are oozing, and it seems more organic than mechanical to me. Mm-hmm. That too, you know what yeah. I'm saying, like it. Like if it were to start breathing, I would be like, yes, that makes sense. Yeah. You're inside of a, a living ship. It's a, it's a it's, creature. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly. It's the design of this film is like perfection to me. Like I can't imagine this, anyone else designing this film. No. And the light, the, they use the lighting effects to their advantage and you get the perfect shot almost every time. Like what you're supposed to be disturbed by, you're very disturbed by. Oh, it's great. It's amazing, folks. Um, so there's this wall. Kane wants to eventually get up and over it, which he does. And then on the other side, there's this huge sprawling room with a gigantic like space pilot, um, which back then we didn't know anything more about it. We had no more information about it. Um, so it was almost kind of hard like to discern where like the being separate it from like the equipment he was in. Yeah. Cause or- it, it's almost as though it was uh, the, it kind of organically melted into the equipment. It was very strange. Yeah. And it like, is that like uh, a breathing apparatus or did it have a trunk? You yeah. Know, back then it was all very unclear and up to the viewer. Right. And you, for the longest time, at least until Prometheus came out, I was like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this thing was actually 26, 26 feet tall. But in order to get more perspective of it, they had children-sized spacesuits built. And in this scene where they're next to the space pilot, it's actually Ridley Scott's kids in the suits to give it more of that proportion of height. No shit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they also noticed that there's something that has burst forth from its chest, like from the inside out. Yeah. And, you know, I never noticed that before. Um, but this brings me over to uh, Aliens versus Predator, where um, they're in the sacrificial chamber and the woman's talking about um, this is where the sacrifices were made. And it looks like somebody stabbed them in the chest. And the woman's like, that's a good theory, but when you get stabbed, your bones go inward, and these bones were poked outward. So I just exactly. wanted to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, another real quick thing. So you may know what I'm talking about. You may not even pay attention. But when they're in there, their helmets, like they shoot off these little things of mist, like little blasts of mist behind the helmet, like as they're breathing. I didn't notice well, they, that. Okay, well, what they did, the, the effect was – was made by like little aerosol cans, but sometimes they would misfire and actually shoot inside the helmet. It would like cause the actress to choke. <laughs> oh, that so, sucks. So poor Veronica Cartwright. Um, <clears throat> so, and now Rob, this is another thing where I swear to God, I don't ever remember this part in the movie, but on board the ship, Ripley actually is like, the transmission is a warning. It's not an SOS. And she wants to go out and catch up with the other three and warn them. And Ash is just like, oh, no, we don't need to do that. By the time you got out there, they'd be coming back. So don't worry about it. I do not remember that scene ever, I ever s- in my life. I don't remember it right. And I just watched it last night. It's still fresh in my mind. 
How yeah, come? I'm like, yeah. Wow, I'm like, was I not so paying back, attention? Yeah. But I'm like, ooh, even back then, she's like, this is wrong. And uh, he's still not letting her, you know, go with her gut on this. Okay, See, so you know the, what? The, what mother stopped the ship for? It's not an SOS; it's a warning. Um, but well, no. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah, the impression I got was that the Wayland Corporation was interested in bringing the specimens home. Yes, yeah. So that's what Ripley's saying. She's like, the transmission was a warning, not an SOS. Okay, but, at, but they were they were making it seem like. They're going there like on a, a, like almost a reconnaissance mission, like to help these people or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 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 Um, there's so much of this. Well, okay. It wouldn't have mattered because clearly there were other things at play, but if Ripley like had gone, was able to go with her gut, so much of this would have never transpired. Yeah. Like if she was the captain of that ship, actually, yeah, <laughs> she'd mm-hmm. be like, my, my word is law. You guys, we're going home. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So back on the downed ship that they've entered, Kane goes down to this like little, like almost like a hot cave looking thing. And there's that layer of mist yeah, and everything. And he's walking on, to me, it looks, the cave itself looks like a, a being. It almost looks like, little bones he's walking on or something or giant bones, giant slick bones or whatever. Yeah, it, d- it did look okay. This again brings up like the inside of a beast's belly almost. Yes. Like a rib cage or yeah. something. Yeah. Which is, yeah, yeah. 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 I can totally see. I almost said Ridley Scott, but actually uh Geiger's influence there because in his paintings and a lot of his works, there are like those long hallways that are kind of, it looks like the inside of something's stomach or uh in their ribs or whatever yeah it seems so um more organic than mechanical well it's like a mix almost a weird mix i i don't know yeah um now tell me you've seen very wet yeah of course i love species yeah to me these are interchangeable like i could see that species alien existing in this film and vice versa oh totally well didn't geiger do the concept for that as well oh yeah 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 yes totally but i mean like they're very much almost of the same. To me. Oh I, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, sorry. I'm like way off on a tangent. Like um, if there was a species versus alien movie, <laughs> you know, that would, uh, or they just be like a power couple. Oh yeah. That too. Yeah. <laughs> did you know like that? Jennifer. Be like what? Benifer, Ben, Ben Affleck and Jennifer. Oh, or okay. JLo, Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. That just Jennifer. went completely over my head. <laughs> sorry. Um, but like, but so, those laser lights, uh, they were, in the ship eggs chamber, egg chamber. Yeah. It was borrowed from the who, when the band was testing out their lasers for the stage show next door. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think we've talked about this before, but it totally reminds me of the Frankie goes to Hollywood, the relax video. I think the one that (laughs) was able to be shown on MTV, not the band one, but yeah, that was like really big for a couple of years. You know, that whole, probably because of this, but that whole like laser thing. But so it's basically protecting the eggs in a way. It's almost to me, is it protecting them or is it like an alert system telling the eggs, Hey, something's broken through. You, you've got meals coming, you know? Maybe, um, but based off of knowing what we know now, like if, uh, you've, yeah. if you've seen all the other ones, all the other alien films in the franchise, you know, it was probably like a incubation chamber almost. And when, mm-hmm. uh, when the eggs, like were deposited at their destination because we find out that the the xenomorphs are basically a bioweapon. Um 
And that's like stage one of their life cycle or something like that. I'm just going by fan theories and stuff that I watched in all the rest of the films. Uh But yeah, I think that they can sense like movement or maybe another biological organism near them. And so that's when it's like, okay, it's time to hatch. Right. Well, and so like an idiot, he, well, you know what? Maybe he's not the biggest idiot because he's got a helmet on. So yeah, logically, I think you would think that's (laughs) going to protect my face. Somewhat. Yeah. And plus you're a, isn't he a science officer? Kane. Yeah. He's the the executive officer. Ash is the science officer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. um, But uh, Rob, and this is a wonderful effect, but the like alien, the face hugger, like fluttering around inside that egg. Oh yeah. That, that would keep my face away from it. I'd want no part of that thing. I'd be out there so fucking fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It would not draw me towards it. It would repel me. No, I would, I would actually be, I would still be enthralled by it, but I would look at it from a safe distance, like, you know, really, really far away. Poke it with the longest (laughs) through binoculars. Um, Right. Most Uh, definitely. Like if I saw movement, I'm moving back. I'm not going closer to it. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Well, so of course the facehugger jumps out and just goes right through Kane's helmet. Um, now, and I did like it, when they, sh- oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm wondering, cause this is questions that I've never asked, but I've always wanted to like figure it out. Um, did the alien somehow use its blood as a weapon to like melt through the helmet to get to the guy's face or did it have just some sort of a uh, way that it could get through the helmet and go into I'm- I'm thinking the the your first theory. That's how I always thought of it. Okay. Like the acid. Yeah. But also when they show, like later they'll show the helmet removal and that thing is thick. It's not like a little like sh- tiny thin sheet of glass. It's like really thick. Right. So w- <sighs> yeah, that must have taken so much time to like melt through that helmet to get to the person. Uh, so wouldn't, wouldn't Kane just be like struggling, trying to pull it off? And it just, yeah, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me right there. The only thing I, well, okay. You're probably taken by surprise. Mm-hmm. You're probably thrown off balance. And that thing, I mean, it knows what it's going to do. It's probably like over so fast. You didn't have time to think about it. It was already down your, cause probably one of the first things it did was shove that little thing down your throat. Yeah. But getting through the glass though, it would, it would take a little bit of time to melt. So even if you're caught by surprise, but I don't would know. it because you know later Rob when it when it does when they have it back on board we're jumping ahead but it, it starts to bleed it I mean it's dropping through the air and still burning super fast through all the oh pores. yeah that's it's not true. slowing it down so I wonder if just like on contact it's just like boof yeah maybe yeah okay that yeah that makes sense so it can just like get through the helmet do what it's got to do and then you know it's it's a done deal. But also the fact that Kane still has a face to me is amazing because how did it know where to stop the acid? Burn <laughs> right through his skull. Wouldn't it? <laughs> it would look like something from Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, totally, totally, totally. Um, so the 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 uh, remaining two people, Dallas and Lambert, bring him back to the uh, to the ship, and um, Ash has positioned positioned himself at the interlock hatch. And Ripley is saying, well, wait a minute, what's wrong with them? And he's like, there's something, Dallas is like, there's something attached to his face. And she's like, well, 
technically we don't know what it is. So all three of you should be held in quarantine for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And Dallas and Lampert's like arguing with her, which it kind of surprised. Well, so Dallas is like, he could die in 24 hours if we leave this go. Yeah. He's under the uh, idea that we can save him if we get him into the, you know, the infirmary. I think Lambert's just like, get me the fuck out of the situation. Um, <laughs> and I love how Parker, he just continuously talks about freezing. He's like, freeze it, freeze it. Yeah, freeze yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Um, but so even as the captain, it's that old dilemma, like you're a train engineer and you've got a train full of people, but you see like a little kid on the track. Mm-hmm. And if you stop the train, you'll save the kid, but you'll kill everyone else on the train because it will derail. Right. Do you hit the kid and save the people? Or do you know what I mean? So it really is like as a captain, he's willing to take a chance to save that one person, but put everyone else at risk. Right. And I that's kind of a weird concept. And it's also a recurring theme throughout most of the alien movies. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so Ash just blatantly overrides Ripley's authority and lets them in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, he's yeah. So, oh, there's so much I want to talk about. We'll keep ooh, going. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I yeah. just thought of something. Okay. When we we're going back now a few scenes to back sure. to like the space jockey. Um, do you think that space jockey had a face hugger on its face? Um, and that's what we saw. It basically like a giant face hugger. Oh, and it I never like it thought that, Rob. Yeah. I never thought that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not even dismissing your theory. I just, ne- that never entered my head. Because, you know, what the, when they, when they're in that form, they have those long tails that wrap around. Right. And so right. It's, it kind of looks like a trunk. And so I was like, hmm, maybe it attached itself to its face through the helmet and it just kind of melded onto there when it, you know, when it made its second metamorphosis and burst through its chest. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that was my thought on like the space jockey and how weird it looked. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, I never, I, now I want to go back and watch it for that. I have no, <laughs> no idea. So now they're in the infirmary and they are, you know, doing like, basically they're using surgical tools to remove the helmet that we just talked about. Um, they notice though that anything they do to Kane, the tail of the face hugger starts to tighten, mm-hmm. which basically leads them to believe that if they do anything too extreme, this is going to take the life of Kane. Yeah. Otherwise, Kane's still alive. He's in a comatose state um, and he seems paralyzed, but he's still breathing. The thing is feeding it oxygen, hitting yeah. oxygen. Um, and like you said, uh, Especially Parker. He's like, you know, just freeze him, just freeze him, and we could deal with this later. Um, but they don't listen to him. Um, so they do the x-ray, and that's when they realize what I mentioned earlier, there's a tube leading down his throat that's providing him with oxygen and everything. Um, and then Dallas wants it removed, but Ash wants to make sure that anything that happens, he'll take full responsibility, which he says he will do. So they try to make that incision. It's and it's almost like he's got knuckles, like fingers, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it does look like really long fingers. Yeah. And I find the color of this thing so repugnant. 
Yeah, it's not even. It's gross. It's a very strange color, and I think it's supposed to be that way. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's. <laughs> they did a really good job of accomplishing <laughs> what I think they set out to do. It's yeah. very unsettling. It's rather very like otherworldly. Yeah, it's very sickening looking. Yeah, but anyway, so when like they go a, to, it looks like oh. it has lungs on the like on the side of those yes. really long fingers. Those look like two lungs right there. Yeah, it almost looks like things that should be on the inside of it are on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so as they as they make the incision on the finger, that's where we get the the acid reveal that we were talking about, and it just goes through deck after deck after deck of the ship. Yeah, and that was um, just a small amount of acid too. Exactly. Exactly. So that's when they determined that hey, this is almost like a defense mechanism that this creature has. So um, the um, this is where. One of the next scenes coming up, we see that Ash is kind of looking at the x-ray of the insides of Kane, and there's something moving in there. So he already knows there's something else going on. Oh, Kane. yeah. And I think he knew right from the get-go. Yeah, but I love when then all of a sudden, like, Ripley pops into, into the scene screen, and it kind of takes him off track, off yeah. guard. Yeah, he, like, oh, what is that? He's yeah. got to hide things a little bit. Yeah, he kind of like turns off the screen and everything. And then uh, I like how she kind of like starts into it. So she's like, you know, how's Kane doing? And he's like, oh, you know, I, I think he'll be okay, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, what about our new guest? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, you like specifically overrode my authority. And then she starts kind of like off on that. Um, I don't know. I just think I like that scene, the way it's played out. You know, she doesn't come in. I mean, she definitely has an agenda, but she doesn't come in like all gangbusters about it. She's mm -hmm. she's very much like like a professional, like kind of would handle that. Yeah, and I also I like, like <clears throat> excuse me. I also like how it's implied, like through not through like telling you that it's implied, but basically through uh, Ash's actions that you know he's doing something sneaky and underhanded, you know. And it's just like, and then Ripley comes in. And he's like, Phew. <laughs> uh, let right. me let me change the let me change the track of this. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, and then it's almost like a pissing match between the two of them. <laughs> you know, it yeah, really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I I like that. Um, I kind of credit this to the fact that the characters were written asexually yeah and which is a good thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing because i think for some people women shouldn't behave this way it's and I, yeah it's good that um which i cry bullshit on but i think you know what i mean no but i mean it's really good that every you know everybody's pretty much all business all the time like right, that's it, yes but, you know, she's not given over to like how uh, I hate to say it, but in a, like a lot of like especially horror or films like this, like you get the uh, hysterical woman and she can't figure things out and she can't just because she's a woman, which makes zero sense to me. Mm -hmm. You know, so I like the fact that this person who happens to be a woman is holding her own. Yeah. You know, and she's not afraid to speak her mind and she's not afraid to stand up for what she believes is right. and. I really like that about this character. And I'm glad that 
it worked out the way that it did. And they didn't try to be like, oh, okay, we've cast a woman. So now we're going to go back and like change the way it was written. Well, I think they did that with Lambert a little bit because she does lose her shit. Um, like not completely hysterical, but she loses her shit a couple of times. But I'll be honest with you, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there was some kind of weird looking thing on I'd ship, be I'd, Lambert. Yeah. yeah, I'd totally be Lambert. Yeah. Um, so now I don't know if you're even going to know I'm talking about because it was so quick. But it's a scene of Dallas and he's almost like listening to music and everything. Oh, that's I wrote it down. Dallas's moment of Zen. Yes. Oh, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. He's in his own little place there. And like, uh, what is it? Is he inside of one of the cargo ships? Okay. Okay. Just so long as you know what I'm talking about here. Okay. Okay. Let me see if I can find this. Okay. So originally, once everything had been cast, because like I said, I'll get way more into this, but there was that was actually supposed to be a sex scene between Ripley and Dallas. Oh, okay. I'm glad that wasn't a sex scene. Me too, just... but that's what that was originally supposed to be. Yeah. Now the, see, I love that, that there's no romance in this movie. No, no don't need it. Why, 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 <laughs> why would that have to be there? Yeah. Um, I can't wait to get in this stuff at the end. Anyway, anyway. So, um, but it's interrupted by a call from mother. No, I'm sorry, from Ash, from Ash, from Ash. She's like, you got to get to the infirmary. Oh, yeah, um, there's new development with Kane, yep. There sure is. And so uh, Dallas also calls Ripley and tells her to join them there. When they get there, the three of them enter very cautiously because we see Kane's body, but there's nothing attached to the face whatsoever. Right, where's the creature? If it yes. achieved its objective, you know, wouldn't it just drop right off and lay mm -hmm. on the floor dead? Right, exactly. Um so we do get that one box jump scare where like Dallas kicks a box and it causes Ripley to jump, yeah. which is great because it sets, it almost puts the audience at ease. Almost. Like, oh, yeah. I've had my jump scare. But yeah, that yeah. tense music is still playing though. Yes, exactly. Um, so the, like basically like, what would you call it? The husky dead re remains of the face hugger is gotten up above her and he drops down mm -hmm. onto her shoulder, yep. which is our second jump scare. Um, <laughs> and I think Ash is the one who tried to hide that uh, creature. Doesn't he make some comment about it going upwards or something, but it was so fast. I couldn't tell what he said. I honestly didn't even catch that if it was, if a comment was made, but I'm wondering, it's like, because based on all of the other alien films that I've seen, like once the facehugger is done implanting whatever the hell is going on inside there, it just kind of drops off dead. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't crawl anywhere or climb. It just, you know, it's essentially done. Yeah. And so. But technically we can't apply that to this because that none of that existed. That's true. Yeah. Um, yes. But I, but I still, see what you're saying. I totally see what you're saying. Yeah. I still think Ash had something to do with it. though. <laughs> Uh, the way they hate each other, though, I'm surprised he didn't like hide it like in her drink. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a little bit large to hide there? I mean, th there would be the knuckles. Or, or I can see him like throwing a blender so it's all blended up. He watches her drink it and then be like, oh. Or like hide it in her way, bed and put it under her pillow or something. Right, right. Um, well, so anyway, he's like super intrigued by this thing. And like, I love the underneath of it because it almost looks like a mushroom. 
to me, it looked like, with like the it, ridges and stuff. Yeah, it looked like it had gills almost. Like there it were. It does. It does. It does. Um, but apparently, the effect of it was achieved by they used like shellfish and like sheep entrails and stuff. They said it stank really bad. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So Ash wants to bring it back, and Ripley's like, absolutely not. But then Dallas like leaves the decision up to Ash, which pisses Ripley off even more. <laughs> And then this is where she like kind of like gets Dallas alone. And she's like, I don't trust Ash. And she asked Dallas how long he's even known him. And he's like, well, the science officer that was originally scheduled to go out with me, he'd known for like five years or something. He's like, and then they replaced him with Ash just two days before we left. See, I didn't catch that part. Yeah. So it's like, oh. he doesn't really even have a relationship with this guy. Okay. So it's just kind of a uh, little little uh sleight of hand thrown in there mm-hmm. yeah interesting so they take off and it's kind of tumultuous tumultuous but they're good to go and they show them you know, pulling their cargo and everything and we get our dining room scene so everyone's having their little conversations around the table and everything and you know dallas seems kind of edgy um and you know he's mentioned that kane's gonna be put under quarantine and ripley's like everyone should be put under quarantine now mm-hmm. um and basically it's 10 more months to earth and then Ash interrupts uh, Dallas and he wants him to come see Kane. Go back in the infirmary. Kane's sitting up. He doesn't look so hot, but he's better shape he was before. Um, he's responsive and everything. He seems very thirsty, which, God, can you imagine what that would feel like? I don't <laughs> think I would ever be the same. Like, no amount of mouthwash would help me get that out of my mind. Well, Bob. you just got impregnated by some kind of weird creature, you know? Uh, he probably doesn't know that, do you think? No, I don't think he knows it, but I'm like, in actuality, there was something down your throat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But he probably doesn't. Yeah, because he doesn't remember anything except right before the, right before looking at the, like the mist or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, he had like a a vague memory about like, uh, about what kind of happened. And he uh, more or less, he has dreams about smothering, which I'm Mm -hmm. like, how horrifying. Um. And then again, and then again, we've got Parker. He's like, let's put him in the old freezerino. <laughs> yeah, let's freeze him. <laughs> I mean, so, that, which is probably good because that would stop any process of, you know, whatever was going on. The you gestation have the process, yeah. which I was thinking the same thing. But when we're privy to everything, that's why certain people don't push for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Do you think that Dallas knew anything? Honestly, no. I think he was more concerned about like the lives of members of his crew as opposed to really knowing or being privy to like the uh, even mother. Like he sure he has direct contact with mother, but Ash takes more precedence than uh, even Dallas. As okay. we come okay. to find out. I was just curious your thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so back in the dining room, you know, um, they're all eating and like Kane is like packing the food down and everything. Um, now, did you notice how Ash is like watching him? Oh, yeah. He, he's he got eyes on. He doesn't take his eyes off of him. Yeah, he is like totally watching him. Well, all of a sudden, Kane begins coughing and choking and starts to have this like seizure thing. Yeah. And they're trying to shove a fork in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes. <laughs> So he doesn't yeah. bite his tongue off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm just going to real quick, just 
So the chest bursting scene, there's rumors that no one knew what it was going to be and everything was a surprise and stuff. That's not quite the case. Okay. They, it took some time with the designs and stuff. Uh, and actually this one wasn't a Geiger design. Someone else designed this one because they just couldn't quite come up with the way they want to look. Anyway, they got it designed and it wouldn't quite burst through his t-shirt on, 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 um, What's the word I want? Not on time, but like when it was supposed to, at the appropriate moment, it wouldn't burst through. So the the one take, everyone was around and they they didn't really know what it was going to look like. They knew something was going to burst through. They didn't know what the creature would look like. They didn't know to what extent like the blood and the, the entrails of animals flying out would look like and everything because those were real entrails and stuff. They didn't know about that. So the look of shock was genuine. And the the look on their face of the scent of whatever was well, coming yeah, up. they said like Veronica Cartwright said, we all walked in and you could smell the room before you got in there. She oh, said it was man. like sickening. But anyway, so they got in. It didn't work like the first time. The second time it came out, but it wouldn't rip through his shirt. The third time they did it with so much force that it flung the the viscera everywhere much harder than anyone was prepared for and that's why you get that look on their faces because they knew it was coming but Mm -hmm. not to the extent that it did like veronica cartwright like lost her footing because she was so like taken aback like it hit her right square in the face and she fell backwards and they had the film and everything her like feet go up in the air and stuff but yeah so that like is kind of genuine shock from them not that they didn't know it was coming but to what extent that it happened yeah, it's kind of like going full Fulci there. Yeah, and they got um, John Hurt like drunk because he had to lay there for so long that they didn't want to put up with him like griping and complaining because <laughs> <laughs> it took like hours. I think the thing I think they said it was like sixteen hours by the time all was said and done that he oh, had to lay there. Yeah, just to get that perfect shot, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so we get our iconic chest burster scene, and you get the little bloody alien coming up with a little scream and everything. Um, it's interesting some of the ways that they original ideas, they were just not uh, not at all what we got here. They were very unconvincing creatures and just goofy looking and stuff. Uh, but this is great. This is really great. Yeah, um, I love how it screams. <laughs> and it, it's making like little a baby noise. Yeah. Yeah. And I just put down, you are so fucked. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for it to go. Hello, my honey. Hello, my I baby. I was just going to ask you if you've ever seen that movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mel Brooks. I yeah. love it. Love Spaceballs. Um, yes. Um, so they all decide they need to go in search of this creature, which if I was Ripley, Rob, I would be so pissed. Oh yeah, I would be. I'd be like. I would told you so. Told you. Oh, so. Oh, I'd be so. I told you so. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm going to my chamber and I'm going to hypersleep. Yeah. You all deal with this. <laughs> this is all on you. Yeah. Or no, I wouldn't even go. I wouldn't trust like anything to be around. I'd take the cargo ship and get the hell out of there. I would be mad as hell. Now, just real quick, I. <clears throat> I tended to think that Jonesy was only in the film a couple of times, but if you really watch the background, Jonesy's in the film a lot more than you think he is. Yeah, quite because I remember uh, the last time I had watched this, I was like, oh, the cat's not in there a lot. But then when I watched it last night, I was like, holy shit, the cat's in there quite a bit. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, Just things you don't really think about because he's not like a big part of the 
story per se until the end. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like they really interact with this cat a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which and I just picture him because it's a boy cat just like peeing all over the place. <laughs> That's odd. It's like cat in space. And it's like yeah. there's only one cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> And that place is huge, Rob. That you would never see that cat because you know how cats like love to get up and things. You would never see that cat again. No, you wouldn't see it until it got hungry, and then it would yeah, right. come around. <laughs> but you would manage to find its poop everywhere. Oh, it shit. would still yeah. get to your space boots. Yeah, it would. It would poop everywhere in everything. Oh, totally. Because totally, it totally. would be so mad that you didn't clean its litter box or that you didn't deliver its food on time. There would. Be- oh yeah, it would be an angry cat. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, now I did like, not like, but I thought it was interesting. They do the burial at space with Kane's body and Dallas asks if anyone wants to share any last words and no one says a thing. And dude, I was like, come (laughs) because it was just like Spock being jettisoned into space. (laughs) Yeah. I just, but I'm like, it's not, I mean, I get that you're pissed off, but it's not this man's fault per se. Yeah. Well, he was doing what he was curious for one. Um, Yeah. But it's not like, I mean, he's still a human being. Yeah. He wasn't a piece of shit. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, I still, I'm like, no one said anything. No. And that Um, makes me think that they didn't really know each other too much. You know, you know, Rob, I don't care if I, I'd still be like, I don't know. I would do something. You know what I mean? Like nice nuts. <laughs> you know, I'd still say something, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just like, God, they're cold. Like um, he lived and died for what he yeah, believed in. <laughs> right. So now the Nostromo's heading home and this is where they come up with uh, the cattle prod and, and Brett gives them the demonstration of how that's going to work. Yeah. And then Ash has come up with a tracking device and it's designed to work on um, micro char- micro charges in the air, cha- micro changes in air density. Yeah, and what a shitty tracking device. I mean, you've got this superior technology, and all you can come up with is something that looks like a large radar gun. Okay, <laughs> but I and I thought the same thing. But think about where it's coming from. It's ash. Oh yes. Because okay. I thought the same thing, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's Ash. He probably doesn't give a damn who dies. Right, right. And from what I remember, they weren't they using the ship as a tracking device. They're like, okay, something is moving in this corridor and it's headed right towards you, Dallas. Get the hell out of there. Um, they weren't using that thing that uh checks the creature's radar or whatever. Yeah, I just um, Talk about an unreliable person. You don't want to work with Ash. Absolutely. So they separate into teams uh, because what's going to happen. um, Oh, no, they're searching. They're separating teams. Uh, First team is made up of Ash, Lambert, and Dallas. The second team is (laughs) Ripley, Parker, and Brett. (laughs) And so basically the plan is they're going to basically get the creature into the airlock and then it's so long, sucker. (laughs) So they think. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Best laid plans. Um, so team two, which is Ripley, Parker and Brett, um, they realize that the circuits have burned out, um, and they've got to be fixed. So Parker and Brett begin to work on these and Ripley's tracker has picked something up about five meters away. 
So she's on the lookout with that. And she gets uh, Parker and Brett to kind of follow her along with this net, which I'm like, knowing what we know about it, that net would do crap with the alien. Oh, yeah. But what they've come upon, though, is, of course, oh, I want to talk to you about this. Okay, so it's in a locker. It's Jonesy, Jonesy, but it's in a closed locker. Which, what other movie? Oh, The Evil, where the dog's like in a closet that the door's been closed. Yes. How yes. did that happen? How did the dog get in there? <laughs> yeah, how did Jonesy get in there? Unless it's got an opening from the other side, whatever. But anyway, so they kind of freak out. Luckily, they don't like cattle prod the cat to death, <laughs> but the cat escapes. And they kind of blame Brett for this. So they kind of send him off on his own to go look for the cat. Yeah, which is a very, very bad idea. Why would you do that? Like, seriously, Rob, I'm not being funny. Why would you do that? Knowing what you know, why would you still not stay together, the three of you? Right. Because, I mean, even when you're dealing with something like this, you're still thinking safety in numbers. You're not going to send someone off to get the cat. Well, right. And they're like, you know, that cat's going to mess this up because we're going to pick it up again. I'm like, well, then go get the cat. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just like, you still want to stay together in this situation. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I guess cause it's little and they think they can handle it. I don't know. Uh, I, maybe. Yeah. Cause they still think that it's very tiny. Yeah. I still though, Rob. But yeah. Still. Uh, you're dealing with an alien organism that you know nothing about pretty much. Nothing about. Yeah. I'd still want to stick together, but whatever. So this little faint meow kind of like draws him deeper inside of the what would you call it? Like, cause they're, these rooms are gigantic deeper inside these like different rooms away from Ripley and Parker. Mm-hmm. Now I love where, um, the sound design, it almost sounds like a heartbeat, like the machinery operating, like it's the ship has like a heartbeat to it almost. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so he kind of finds Jonesy, but she takes off again. And that's where Brett finds like the discarded alien skin. Yeah, and it looks like it shed its skin. <laughs> right. And that's when you're like, okay, something's going on here, clearly. I I'm sorry, and you can write me if you want to, but I'd be like, screw the cat. This is more important. I need to, I would not have dropped it. I would have, no matter how repulsed I was, I'm like, I've got to show this to these other two, and we need to show everyone else this. Yeah, bring it, bring it back. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now he's made it into this really wet, drippy room with yeah. lots of chains. And I thought, I was like, why? Okay, you're on a ship. Now, unless it's like a part where the airflow is, you know, there's something causing all that wetness. Like, what is the purpose for like all those chains and the water dripping down? Are we in Hellraiser all of a sudden? Right. So it was purely because the, the, they had some of the people, the design people and stuff. It was purely for the way it looked. Okay, like that's yeah, all it was like visually it was stunning. <laughs> it made no sense. Cause they were like, why yeah. would it be raining in this room? And yeah. Billy Scott's like, it will be beautiful. So that was purely for the look of it. We need um, wet. We need an alien. We need chains that the alien can hang from. Um, but also don't you think the chains are almost like reminiscent of its tail? You know, you know I, I mean, never like, thought it hangs of that, down. But... It's black. It's yeah. slender. It's shiny. Like I think, I think it's kind of a cool callback to what we're dealing with in a weird way. I don't know. I thought it just was very cool. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but you, you do have a, you do make a point because. Well, it, and it then is... 
the saliva is drippy too. So that also oh, would yeah. so camouflage that. Perfect because, hiding spot. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought the whole thing was very well thought out. I love it so much. I love it so much. So anyway, so <laughs> first Jonesy's going to come out, but then the creature has dropped back behind Brett, but Brett doesn't know this, but Jonesy knows it because he's facing Brett. Yeah. So then Brett clues in and then we get like the, what would you call it? Like the teeth through the head thing. It's so fast. It goes so yeah, fast. Yeah, did it? Did it kill him or did it take yeah. him? Like, that's what I was trying to figure out. No, I think it goes through his skull. I okay. think the little extended teeth shoot through there, I believe. Yeah, because we weren't showing that. No, it goes so, like the kills for the most part, and they're bloody and they're gory, but they're so fast. And mm-hmm. they're, you almost really don't know what you're seeing for the most part. Right. Um. So now everyone's together and we gather from what Ripley and Parker are saying that they saw the thing. Um, and they actually saw him pull like, uh, Brett back into the air duct. And they're a hundred percent sure that Brett didn't live through this whole thing. So Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So Dallas is saying that the, um, air shafts basically all feed out. If they, if they block them off, they're all going to feed out to the airlock and he can still proceed with his plan. And then Ash, kind of offers up that he's not really sure um, how temperatures will affect the creature. And Parker decides that it's time to start rigging the incinerary units, which are basically flamethrowers. Ripley volunteers to go after it, but of course Dallas says that he's going to go in after it, which I assume that would be protocol. Wouldn't you think like you don't want your captain at risk. You would want someone lower. So you still have the person in charge alive. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which it seemed awfully hot down there, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) This, the remainder of this movie is very moist. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying he looked really hot in those clothes. Um, so they're talking about like terminate the alien, everything. And, uh, oh, cause he's having, I'm sorry. He's, he's having a private chat with mother and he's asking, you know, can we terminate the alien? Uh, and it gives back the response of insufficient data. And then what about possible survival? Again, insufficient data. And then he basically is like, what are my chances? And the, the re- computer responds with, it does not compute. Um, <laughs> so he's kind of like up shit's Creek without a paddle. Yeah. Now, have so, we established anything about like, does this creature, like, is it killing for food or like what's, um, you know, is it just killing for killing? Cause that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, you know, um, do they eat like what they kill? That's what, that's what I was trying to figure out. So as I said earlier, everybody, Rob watched the director's cut. I watched the theatrical cut in Rob's cut. Yeah. Can oh, okay. I talk about this and then address your question? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Cause I think it will play into, okay, hang on. So now we're in the airlock. Okay. And Dallas is going in and he's going to rely on the two teams, which are made of Ash and Ripley. Um, Ash has the tracker. Ripley has the headphones to converse with Dallas. Um, And then the other team is made up of Parker, who has the headphones and Lampert, who's in charge of the tracker, which they really should have just let Parker do everything because I love Lampert, but you don't want to counter. Um, So basically, Dallas is going to progress through the... uh, uh, chambers with the uh, flamethrower and then just kind of look at them. If the thing's down there, he'll set it on fire. Otherwise he'll block off the chambers 
forcing it to the to the airlock to to blast out into space. Mm -hmm. And the uh, tracker will let them know his position, but also if there's something coming to him or, or, or the whereabouts of the creature, the alien. Okay. So he makes it down to the third junction and he wants all hatches closed behind him. So Lambert requests that he slows down because she's having trouble tracking him and that she's starting to pick up a, the other, the other dot showing the other creature. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he uses a flamethrower. It looks like for all intents and purposes, he's safe. So he starts heading down. Once he does this, the beeping noises start to increase. Again, Lampert feels that she's lost the signal. She asks him just to like kind of stay still. She's getting more and more flustered, more and more confused. His dot's stationary, and then the other dot starts to move towards him, causing her to like really freak out. Yeah, it's coming right for you. Yeah, he panics, and he lowers himself basically right into the creature's clutches. We get that jump scare. He looks one way. There's nobody. He turns the other way, and that creature is right there beside him, and that's for all intents and purposes, the last we see of Dallas. And did you see like the way the xenomorph was standing? It almost like it wanted to hug him. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Yeah. So back to what you said. So in the director's cut, Dallas is not dead. Dallas is wrapped up almost like a cocoon like. Yep. Okay. Which would lead you to believe that he's keeping that thing or that person alive to maybe recreate the whole thing again with another face hugger. Yeah, but where are the face huggers then? Like, there's no queen on the ship. I don't um, know. So I don't know. It would just but be really that, difficult. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, and then further on, I want to address something else with you at the end of the show. Okay. So we're going to put a pin in, in, the, in what he's doing with these people. Okay, we good? Mm -hmm. We're good. Okay. So now they're talking about they uh, Parker's found the flamethrower. There was no blood. There was no Dallas. There was no nothing. Ripley wants to proceed with the plan. Lambert wants to just abandon the ship. But Ripley's like, we can't because there's four of us on here and we we won't have enough uh, places on the shuttle to do that, um, which I'm unclear how many. I guess it will hold three people. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Because at the end which we're getting to, there would be three people that would be boarding that shuttle. Yeah. Okay. And so which makes everything they... all the more shittier because <laughs> Ash is the fourth person. But go ahead. What were you going to say, Rob? Yeah, no, um, this is farther along, so we we can continue. Okay, okay. Um, so basically, they're going to move in pairs. They want to cut off the means of escape, and they're going to kill it. So Parker heads off to reload the ammo, and uh, Lampert's going to go with him. And then, so... Ripley kind of like questions Ash what's going on with mother. And he's like, she's still collating, a uh, collating. And then Ripley is just like getting really fed up with this. And uh, she makes mention that now she has access to mother and that she'll get her own answers. Um, Lampert's like clearly losing her mind, which I, I will, I'm Lampert. I'm going to be honest with you. I would not be good in this situation whatsoever, except I'd be nude by now for no reason. <laughs> um, once, once I saw that thing fly out of John Hurt's chest, I would just be, in oh, shambles, you know, Rob, I, I'd be a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't even need the thing flying out of his chest once it was attached to his face out there. Oh, that's true. Yes. I'd be freaking the heck out way out there on the terrain of a planetoid. I didn't even know. about. <laughs> Let's go home <laughs> right now. Yeah. Honestly, I think I would have taken off running. 
Cause that's what I do in situations like that. Like I just, <laughs> like it's a fight or flight before I think about it, I would have been running away from Dallas and left him there with Kane. Would you be so running anyway, back to the ship? I, no, I would have just been running. Cause I'm not lying to you. That's like my first, like I just run, like my mind takes over. Like it's, it really is flee Rob. It's not flee to somewhere. It's just flee. Oh, it's just get the hell away. Okay. Yeah. I would have just been running. I probably would have stumbled and another face hugger would have gotten me to be honest with you. Cause I would have just freaked out. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I'd like to think that I would run, but I would probably freeze like, cause that's my I, reaction. It's like, I, don't I know would never be do. the final gay <laughs> ever. Would I be the final gay? Um, unless you're not wearing a red shirt, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so Ripley has gone into the little chamber that Dallas has occupied prior in the film and she's trying to interface with mother but basically everything she's trying to do gets shut down with her. And she sees the special order 937. And she realizes it says the Nostromo has been rerouted. And its number one priority is to ensure the return of organism for analysis. Mm-hmm. All other consideration, all other considerations, secondary crew expendable. Yep. And right then, then and there, I oh, would go have ahead. got the F out. Rob, I would have been so mad. Like I would have been so angry like gone everything i've gone through and then to realize the company i'm working for doesn't give an f about me i would have been furious oh hell yeah oh my god so then at some interim while she's looking at all this ash has made his way into the room with her yeah and he's he starts sweating milk not yet oh not yet okay no he's he's looking nervous but we're not there yet so she freaks out and she departs and she goes to radio parker and lambert but Ash is like basically shutting doors behind her so she can't leave. Like oh, pushing yes. a button behind her, blocking her escape away from him in that room. Yeah, I jumped ahead a little bit. Yep. Now, this is the one I don't understand because she turns around and then she's got a bloody nose. But I don't know what transpired to make that happen. I was going to ask you if um, if she got slapped and I didn't see it. But uh, not to my knowledge, I, I, it's just like, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. You, she turns around and you can see blood coming out her nose. Maybe it was not part of the shot and she like ran into something. The door. They, did she hit the door? Maybe. Maybe. You know, like yeah. if she was trying to exit the, maybe. Okay. Whatever. But then we see what you just said. There's like milk kind of running down his forehead, yeah. like from his hairline on the side. So all of a sudden he goes ballistic. He starts like throwing into all like the, the panels and stuff around the room grabs her by the hair, pulls out like a big chunk of her hair mm-hmm. and then begins to choke her with like a rolled up magazine. Yeah. Like they are in that. I, I'm assuming it was like one of uh, the technicians rooms was you got nudie pictures everywhere. And d- did he roll up like a hustler or something? And just like, well, okay. To- so there's so much about that, that like, I want to kind of talk about. So it's a woman, the male robot. Yep. is trying to suffocate her almost like in an oral sex kind of way, which is a long I, thing. Yeah. I never understood that. Yeah. And like you said, it, it's pretty much, I'm guessing a porn magazine. Yeah. So that brings a weird sexual. And then he's doing it right underneath a display of nude photos of women. Yes. <laughs> Do you know, it's a very odd thing, right? Because and those I- nude photos didn't have to be there. It could have been, he could have just choked her with his hand. Exactly. Yes. It's all so odd to me. 
And I also it, don't understand how a rolled up magazine could suffocate her when she could breathe through her nose. He wasn't holding her nose. No, it's almost like it was like a weird sexual thing. Yeah. Is it is it like I'm a is it like I'm a robot and I can't do this to you, but this is the closest I can to violate you as a woman? Yeah, I don't know. I've never understood that scene and I've always tried to take it apart and figure it out. And I still I just don't know what the hell's going on in that scene. Interesting. Okay. Um very odd. Anyway, so thank God, because she can't bend which I he's a robot, so I believe he's got superhuman strength. That's my yeah, take he's on probably, him. Would you agree? Yeah, he's probably stronger than any human on that ship. Okay, yes. So thankfully. I'm assuming when she tried to make the radio call, something happened to alert Parker and Lambert as to her whereabouts. So Parker and Lambert have shown up. Lambert's trying to pull his hand off of Ripley. Lambert's, I mean, Parker, did I say Parker's trying to pull his hand, her hand off Ripley? Parker's, you know, trying her best from behind. That's to no avail. And he grabs like Parker, like, like, uh, like on the chest. Yeah. He, he gave him like a titty twister. Almost. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm going to just rip through your chest. <laughs> well, and he must have squeezed really hard because like uh, real hard. Yeah. Yeah. Because Parker let go. Yeah. Well, anyway, so basically Parker gets back up, gets behind him and is able to wrestle him off of Ripley and everything. And then they just kind of like beat the bejesus out of him. Now, was it Lambert that knocked his head off or was that? No, Parker? I'm pretty sure that was Parker. Okay. Yeah. Um. So he's kind of like flipping around. His head's been dislodged there's milk flying everywhere <laughs> yeah he's still going like that hand is just going wild oh yeah well the three of them are freaking out because at no reason like have they ever thought to question this person not being a human like the rest of them mm -hmm. so it's basically revealed he's a robot they've taken his headless or his his head and place it on the table. And now it's like covered in milk. It's sounding like, uh, what was the girl's name from, uh, <laughs> was it Beth from uh, Krampus where she does a robot voice upstairs? That draws oh, it draws. No, it sounds much TV. worse than that. Actually, it sounds no, like but it's like a robot. voice. yeah, it's like clearly not a, a person's voice. Yeah. Um, it's all wavy so, and it's kind of like underwater sounding. Yeah. So Stevie and Jordan would have totally followed that upstairs. <laughs> um, but so they're like, you know, Questioning it and everything. Yeah. Um, and I, at no point in time, like based on, based on what Ash has done, I would not get a ask, look for a straight answer from that thing. You know? No, 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 no. I, I think they're just grasping at straws because they're desperate. Yeah. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. And, you know, Ripley's like, why would the corporation have sent this, sent Ash on this mission, mm -hmm. you know, on, on this yeah routine thing. So they start to question him and everything. Um, and he reveals like it was a special order, you know, bring back the life form, all the other stuff we've talked about. He's like, you can't, can't kill it. It's a perfect organism. Um, and, uh, uh, it's a structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. He starts going about how he admires it and all this stuff. Um, cause it's a survivor. Um, and then I just picture Beyonce. Really? Uh, sorry. I yeah. don't get that reference. Oh, because she's a survivor and all of Desi's child's gone, but she's still. Oh, exists. okay. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> and he's super smug. And at the very end, he's like, you have my sympathies. Right. And Ripley just blows <laughs> it up, or, uh, uh, 
Oh no, Ripley's like, we're gonna blow up the ship and escape, and the Parker just sets the guy's head on fire. Yeah. And th- that was great. I love how it melts, and then there's like another plastic thing underneath where it's just like a mannequin face. Yeah, that's really cool. But now, okay. This this is a robot. But he's a pompous ass. Mm, yes, yes, indeed. So who programmed this robot to be a pompous ass <laughs> who hates women? <laughs> Uh, probably I'm assuming Wayland. Oh, see, I knew who I'm thinking, but I don't want to say it anyway. Uh. Um, so now for everything to transpire, they're going to need coolant. And, um, because, uh, they want to blow up the ship and it'll take about 10 minutes for the whole thing to come to fruition. So is that what they're doing? I wondered what they were doing when they were yanking all those canisters out and just chucking them on the floor. All right. So basically... Parker and Lampert are off getting the coolant and um, Ripley is going to prepare the shuttle for takeoff. They have to meet back up in seven minutes. So like time is really of the, of the essence here. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) All of a sudden that darn cat starts meowing. (laughs) That darn cat. (laughs) So she's decides she's going to go find Jonesy. Now I want to ask you this. If I knew that that big ass creature was on board somewhere. I would be getting that coolant so quietly that you wouldn't even know I was there. Yeah. I, but they're like chucking these canisters everywhere. It's so loud. They're rolling around. I'm thinking quiet. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Shut <what> up. I, <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. I'm wondering, cause I didn't know what they were doing with it. And apparently they were using it to blow up the ship. But they're just chucking these things and it's like, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's so loud. I'm like, here we are, alien. <laughs> You're announcing your presence, right? Oh, man. Yeah. So Ripley's got her cage and she's looking for the cat and they've got uh, the coolants loaded up and now they got to get some bottles. So they go in search of that and everything. And, you know, Ripley's still looking around and then she hears something and then we get the cat jump scare. Another um, cat jump scare. Mm-hmm. And then she eventually catches up with it and everything and she cages it up. So. We get that. It's almost like a spotlight. And then you see the alien shadow. Oh, yeah. But it's basically situated itself between the two of them. So it's positioned like it's it's Lambert and then the alien and then uh, Parker. Yeah. And I love the effects of, of like all the lighting and, and the way that things are just handled here. Oh, totally, totally, totally. So we get the let's watch moment where Lampert's just frozen with fear and she's incapable of doing anything right. like screaming hysterically. <laughs> and I wrote down let's watch. Oh, it's totally let's watch. <laughs> totally let's watch. Because he's like screaming. He's like, run, get out of there. Yeah, blah, and, blah, blah. And she's, she's not screaming. Moving. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's just there. Um, definitely not what Mark would be doing. He would have ran. Um, <laughs> so you get the teeth attack with uh, Parker. And I, it almost looks like, isn't his tail like wrapped around Parker's neck? It looks like. Didn't the tail come up from behind? It does up behind him or behind her? Oh, behind her. Yes. Yeah. But it also, if you look at the scene, it looks like it's wrapped around his neck too, which I'm like, if that's the case, this woman had so much time to get out of there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It might have been. I didn't notice it, but, uh, did, so the, uh, the xenomorph didn't pick him up by the throat. Maybe it picked him up by the tail and then did the uh, mouth thing. Uh, to me, I, to me, I thought it wrapped a, its tail around his neck to hold him stationary, and then shot its little mouth out into his head. That's okay, what I thought. Yeah, probably what happened then. 
Because I know again, that, I know that Parker was lifted up. That's all I know. Yeah. Again, giving Lampert ample time to do <laughs> oh, yes. pretty much anything else besides stand there and scream. She had like maybe ten to fifteen seconds to just get the f out. Of oh there. my gosh, yes. But no, she did not utilize her time well. And then, like you said, we get that scene where it comes up like there. We see her legs. It kind of comes up between her legs, almost behind her or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So does it oh, kill ahead, her or does it save her for later? Like that's what I'm wondering because I don't. Well, I'm going to talk to you about that later. Okay. Okay. So I'm sorry I keep doing this to you. I hope you don't hate me. No, um, I don't hate you. So Ripley eventually comes upon the aftermath and realizes that it's futile, and she runs back with the cat. Mm-hmm. So she's preparing the emergency uh, emergency destruction system. And she activates by with the four canisters, Isn't which I love. Such the a sequence. pain in the ass! You have to I, wait for four canisters to pop. Yeah, up. but I do love it because it adds to the tension. Because it's not like I just hit that button. You got to go through all this rigmarole, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you get that t ten minute countdown and everything, and you have an option to override in five minutes. You know, you get that uh, after five minutes, you can't override, but you have five minutes. So you get the sirens that start to wail and all that, like mist starts to erupt everywhere, and there's red lights flashing. And so she books it and she's got the flamethrower and the cat and she's got, she's, uh, books it back to where she's supposed to be. And the strobe lights are going everywhere. And now we got three minutes and then the alien pops up and you know, it's, it's hard to see it at first. Cause it's like a disco and like the lights and everything. Yeah. So she runs off back to where she came from. And then you get the, the scene where the aliens like face to face with Jonesy. Oh, and then the alien the kicks like the alien kicks the the cat box out of the way or something. Uh, I don't know that he kicks it. I know she throws it like really aggressively later. But the countdown's going on, and she goes back to stop it, which she kind of successfully does. But it's so close to the last minute that Mother doesn't recognize it. Oh she, yeah, yeah. And this is this is the bitch part. She's like, Mother, you bitch, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> So she's basically retraced her steps. She's back with the uh, flamethrower and everything. The strobe lights are going and there's sirens and steam. And she's pensive, but she pushes forward and she's so sweaty, Rob. She's so (laughs) sweaty. So sweaty. Um, I also love how like the design of everything really mimics like the alien design. Yeah. Like, it's great. It, it's like the planning on this is like perfection. And also how the alien looks constantly wet. It's very shiny um, and it looks like it's wet all the time. Yes. Yeah, I love it, too. I love it, too. Is it sweaty? Is it just I don't know. I have no idea. Is it something that's got to be kept moist? Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, and I also like how like her destination is like bright white and it's like there's no chaos where she needs to go. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. Well, anyway, so she goes there and she just like throws the cat. Like, I mean, cause you're not going to like, just think to put it down cause you're like nervous. Like, but she just like tosses the carrier in there. Um, and then the, there's like explosions like of the ship, like going off behind her, like as she's making it into where she needs to be. Yeah. Um, and then, um, uh, the purge continues. She's got like 30 seconds and you get that, like the countdown and you get the Rocky jettison into space. And then, Pretty much the Nostromo is no more. And you get that like light show of everything in space as it like explodes. And then you get the cue and everything. And then she's like, I got you, you son of a bitch. And she's all calm and everything. And so. And then she says, well, let me take off my, uh, let me take off this real sweaty space suit. Well, first though, she releases Jonesy. 
Oh yeah, she got. Does she put him in the in the cryo whatever stasis yes, chamber? Yes, yes. And that was going to be the end. Oh, that was. Yes, Ridley Scott went back to them. He's like, this would be a very unsatisfying end. I think I can do more, but I need more money, and they gave it to him. Oh, that would have been a hundred percent unsatisfying. Yes, that's the second time he did this because the first time. He gave he uh, did storyboards of the chestburster, and once they saw the storyboards and the creature, they're like, "You can have more money." So okay. there were a couple of times that he went back and actually got even more money than they had originally gave him for this production. Clever, clever. Yeah, which originally we can actually thank Roger Corman for this movie because it was um, when. Dan O'Bannon brought Roger Corman the script, the the producer, director. You know Roger Corman, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Brought him the script. It was called like Star Beast, I think, or Space Beast. And Roger Corman's like, for me to make this the movie it deserves to be, I would need a bigger budget than I could do. He's like, shop it around with bigger studios. If you can't get the backing, then come to me and I will do it. But I really think that you should pursue other people first, which I'm like, good on you, Roger Corman. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Can anyway, you imagine okay, so that had one, it been called Space Beast or Star Beast? Like, right, 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 right. Well, so, okay. Dan O'Bannon had like all the way up until how the alien could get onto the ship. And that's where Ronald Shusett got involved because um, they were living together at the time, uh, not like romantically, they were just friends living together at the time. And then Schuster had the idea, hey, the guy's going to get raped and become pregnant. And that's how the alien gets on the ship. <laughs> and that's how that all came about. That's so that's pretty was much Schuster. how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. That was Schuster's idea. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So now we've got, like you were talking about, she um, is disrobing to go to hypersleep. This is where we realize that that ship and the alien is blended in with the ship, and she doesn't even realize that that creature has gotten on board that shuttle. Okay, and I have a problem with this part. Okay. Uh, well, not so much a problem, but I'm kind of wondering, like, is the alien creature nearing the end of its lifespan because it's very lethargic? Uh, it's It looks like it's at death's door, honestly. It doesn't really look so hot. Um, now is it because it's stuck like in a, in that machinery wiring and everything and, and it's just kind of hissing and, and, you know, throwing hands at Ripley? <laughs> um, I don't know. Oh, oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm thinking. So it, it, in my mind, if it was smart enough to stay one step ahead of all these people mm-hmm. and get to the shuttle that's going to be the thing evacuating the ship that's going to explode and hide itself amongst all those things, basically camouflaged. I think what it was thinking is you're going to get me somewhere else. And we're just going to go from there. I think probably what would have happened is once it landed on the other planet or wherever it was going, it would have just attacked more and more people. Somehow it's got to, and I know later on we get the queen concept, but that didn't exist here. Right. So I'm just going by what we know from this movie, not anything else. But somehow it's got to have a way to produce the face huggers. 
And I think it was going to just stow away and then do that where it landed, or the shuttle would have landed. It would have been a case of Ripley like being the space pilot of the other craft that would have landed. She would have seen that it would have been burst out of her chest and there would have been eggs all over the place, I think. So you didn't... uh you didn't think that it was kind of lethargic or something. Maybe it was just uh, conserving energy. Uh, what I think, I think it was in hiding. I think it may have been like uh, hibernate, like preparing to hibernate. I think it was also waiting for her to maybe fall asleep to not even see it coming. Ah, okay, yeah, that's because this thing is not an idiot. No, it's it's clearly proven its intelligence time and time again. Yeah, I think she woke it up. Sooner than it was ready. She forced the attack. We're getting to that. But I think she forced it on. Mm-hmm. She she forced on something that would have been inevitable. Right. She just made it happen sooner. Okay. Yeah, I can go I with that. Because I just I don't wasn't think it would have sure. crashed. And, yeah, I don't think it would have crashed. And then she would have gotten out and then be like, oh, my God, you, had, you brought back this dead alien life form. I don't think that was the case at all. Mm. I don't think. And this is my theory. I could be totally wrong. I'm not saying. That's just how I've always thought about this. Yeah, because I I had never known it was like, you know, from from the time that we were first introduced, this thing was just like running roughshod through the entire crew. And then all of a sudden it's in sleep mode almost and it's just like barely moving. And I was like, oh, what the hell's going on with this thing? Right, 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 right. Okay, so I'm going to jump to this real quick. So and then we'll talk because I want to talk more about this. Okay, Okay. so. She realizes that the xenomorph is there and everything. She freaks out. She gets to this little tiny compartment that's, that holds like uh, her spacesuit and everything, um, which Rob, until this watch, I didn't realize it was a separate compartment. I always thought she just hid behind the clothes, but it's a little separate compartment anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a little uh, glass door there or something. Yeah, right? I didn't realize that. I always thought she was just hiding behind the clothes. Anyway, so she gets into the suit, locks the helmet on, comes back out straps herself into the seat then um oh and you hear more of the heartbeats of the of the of the ship or whatever which i love it so much yeah um she looks so tired she just looks desperate um and then (laughs) it's like i just want to go to bed in my underwear (laughs) oh god yeah and then you see the teeth protrude out it's almost like i see you sister like i know what's going on (laughs) anyway so she gets back out and she's got also like this harpoon gun so she's armed She's got her eye on the prey the whole time. Yeah. She starts singing, you are my lucky star. And then she hits the buttons on the panel, which the steam comes out and like agitates the alien. It begins to stir. It starts screaming. So the actual actor inside had a lot of trouble getting out of that position. And that's why it looks like the alien is having so much trouble getting up. Because <laughs> yeah, it space. really looked like it, it got yeah, stuck it was really in struggling. between all that. Yeah. So basically, it's coming around the side of Ripley. She sees it approaching. She hits the opening button, which causes like a, the suction to like start pulling everything out. That's why she buckled herself down. It sucks the alien out of the ship, but it grabs the sides of the opening. So it's still not out yet. And that's when she shoots it with the harpoon. But of course, the harpoon has a string on it, which brings the alien back to the ship. <laughs> She forces the thrusters into action, which burns the thing up. Oh, yeah, because the creature was actually trying to crawl back in through the, yeah. uh, the intake yeah. valve or whatever the hell it was. It's was, so resilient, Rob. <laughs> Space cockroach. Now, another thing. This also makes me 
makes me think that it really wasn't on death's door because if you were already dying and she was like this with you, I think it would just be like, screw this shit. I'm just, I will fly out the window. Yeah, it would be But it be was still so adamant to get back in there. Yeah, it would be. But it was, I mean, you make a good point because like I was thinking like, oh, maybe this thing is at the end of its lifespan and it hasn't achieved what it needed to. Um, but then like, as you can see it, you know, struggling to live on. So yeah, it was probably ready to hibernate and just like go to the next planet. Yeah. Now you are also, and there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not, I'm nothing wrong with this. You are also asking questions of a movie that didn't know it was going to spawn all these sequels. So they may have not really had all this fleshed out. They may have not even thought like these questions you're bringing up. They may have never really thought about, Oh, where do these face huggers come from? Is this alien going to make more? You know what I mean? (laughs) These are all questions that like, if there had never been another alien, we wouldn't have these answers. It would just been like a cool, creepy sci-fi horror movie. Right. And see, I'm thinking along the lines of having seen aliens and alien three and Prometheus and all this other shit. So, but I do remember like thinking that I'm like, well, what, like, what was its end game just to kill everything? Like, cause if you take it of its own without anything else, it does leave, which I'm okay with, but it does leave you with a lot of unanswered questions. Right. And then I, a lot afterwards, having seen the director's cut where you notice that Tom scare is still alive uh, and he's hanging cocooned onto the wall. It's like, is the creature saving him to eat later or is there a face hugger there that's going to pop out and impregnate him? Right. Which I think in their minds that answered the question of what happened to, to captain Dallas. Oh, mm-hmm. he wasn't killed. But then that, and look at all the more questions that posed. Yeah. That <laughs> opened up that one question. Yeah. Opened up a whole <laughs> other can of worms. Oh, definitely. It did. Yeah. So we have the final report, you know, she's giving other, all the other members are dead. The cargo ship has been destroyed. She's got to take six more weeks to get to earth. Um, And then she's like, if she's lucky, uh, another network will pick her up. And then Ripley is the last survivor. We see a close up on the sleeping survivor and there's a fade out into space. And honestly, I, excuse me, maybe it's because I was thinking of uh, the second aliens film when it showed like Ripley having a nightmare of a face hugger being in the same compartment with her. Oh, uh huh. And I thought that was part of this movie, but it wasn't. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, wait a minute, where's that part? Did I miss it? But yeah, that's not part of this movie. When you make sequels and things like that, you get to play around with stuff that's already been established. When you're the first one, if you don't make it clear, it's all left up to speculation. And if an, another movie never comes out, then that's all that there is. There's mm-hmm. just speculation. Yeah. So I'm going to go into some things that I ask you to hold on to to the end, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. So originally, and I kind of touched on this, they wanted the whole crew to be totally nude in the suspended animation um, when they woke up, but then they realized that this might really uh, limit where they could release the film. They also wanted a ton of casual sex references thrown in to make it seem like everyone was just sleeping with everyone on the, on the ship. Like it was good time party in space. It kind of, okay. When Parker makes his comment about, you know what I want to eat. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Lambert at some point was going to make reference that she tried to sleep with Ash, but he seemed disinterested. Which would have been an earlier tip-off that maybe 
he wasn't quite human. Okay. Um, I've already talked to you about the sex scene, sex scene between Ripley and Dallas. Um, there was going to be a subplot with uh, Lambert and Ripley having a relationship. Um, the very end, they were going to have her stripped completely down nude. Um, and they were going to have the alien touching her physically or touching her and becoming physically aroused. Oh, wait, wait, the alien becoming aroused? Yes. Okay, I'm glad they didn't have that. That's... Also, this ties in with Lambert's death. They were going to have a shot of her uh, with her pants down, and there was going to be blood dripping from her legs. So is that why the tail had shot up from be- in between? To make it seem leg. like okay. there was something sexual about it, which why do you need to go in that direction? Unless... That was their going to. That was their way of explaining how the face hugger came into existence. But then you would get it'd be like extra. You get these women giving birth to these giant egg things. Yeah, yep. Which I'm just, I'm just glad they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad this movie came out the way it did. Now, I'm almost hesitant to bring this up, but I'm going to do it anyway, and people don't come at me. Apparently. There was a box set release of the first four films. Yes, I used to have that one. What am I going to say? I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I just so used there, to have that box set. So there were little bios in the set, and I wasn't quite clear if they were cars or like just like little like uh, uh, screenshot things or something. But Ripley's bio stated that she was born male and transitioned to a female shortly after birth. And this like upset many people. So it kind of came and went and it's really not mentioned. It's not canon anymore, which I cry bullshit on that. That's crazy. There's no reason for this. She could be you. It's like, oh, she can only be a strong female if she started off as a male. That no, that's so stupid. Why are we even doing this? And I don't mind. This is not a comment on like transgender or anything like that. It's like, just like you, you really just can't let a strong woman be a strong woman. Really? Right. I don't know. That's how I always saw her. Like Ripley was certified badass. She was. Yeah, I just don't. I'm just if that was the case, I just don't understand the the thought that went on behind that. So anyway, I um, never like I used to own the box set, but I never really looked at what it had in it. I just watched the movies. And mm -hmm. so I couldn't really say whether or not that was actually part of it. Right, right. So anyway, so that that's all the kind of like trivia or extras or anything I had on that. The only other thing I will say is I cannot stress enough the whole memory documentary, like the tie-ins to like uh, Lovecraft that this movie has. Um, Rob, the, it will open up other levels to this movie that you'd never even dreamed of. It's yeah, amazing. There's so many levels that are open up now. And it's just like, I, I definitely want to see that documentary because uh, it, the Geiger universe does kind of correspond with like a lot of Lovecraftian things. Yeah. Well, it's really may It really does focus mainly on O'Bannon, which I love about it because I've always found him fascinating, but I don't know that much about him. Um, so it was really cool to get into all this, you know, how it happened. Everything. It's just really cool. It's also interesting because it's, like fate, how much played into all of this, mm -hmm. like just how the men found each other. And it's just all very interesting, Rob. But anyway, I'm sorry. Um, Rob, what do you think of the film this time? Amazing. It, it will always be amazing. Like this is one of the classics. Yeah. And would you recommend it to fans of Midnight Mist Creature Cast? 
not only that, I'd recommend it to every uh, monster fan or so-called monster fan. I mean, this is this is po- bleh, I can't even talk. Possibly one of the best monster movies, sci-fi monster films that have ever come out. Yeah, I think it, the effects are still like so impressive. They are. And the way that, like I spoke on it before, how the, the alien constantly looks wet and the way that the light shines off of it and it's very glistening all the time. And, um, oh, I wanted one more thing <laughs> for, you know, that when the creature extends its jaw and you can see like the lip part and stuff and, Oh yeah, yeah. Those, those it's were, so intricate. Those were created by used condoms, or con- not oh. used condoms, but condoms. <laughs> like they they sliced up condoms to make them look like uh, tendons and stuff. So yeah, the when the I alien like your opens first its theory mouth, better. <laughs> when it opens its mouth and that jaw pops out, it's like you can see torn condoms there and stuff. And that goo wasn't petroleum jelly. It was <laughs> that was <so>. KY. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even going there. Um, <laughs> I was making it much more again. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And I'm Rob. I'm right there with you. Like I love this movie. I it's it's a movie I know I love, and then I watch it. I'm like, oh my god, I love this movie. Like, yeah. I, it's it's just it's like a treat to watch this thing. Um, it, it does. There's not uh, nothing about this drags. Mm, no way. It's never a slog to get through. It's like from Mm-mm. start to finish, it's perfection. No, and like uh, monster fans, creature fans, it's it, it just checks those boxes off. Not just one. You get a plethora of them. Um, and the mythos that it like builds upon, it's just so cool. Uh, I can't imagine someone not seeing this. But my gosh, if you haven't, please give this a watch, folks. Uh, it's amazing. It's just uh, such a well-crafted piece of film. It, it just fires on all cylinders all the way across the board. The score, the look of it, the cast, just uh, it's it's beautiful. It's just a thing of beauty. Here, here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, if you stuck with us this time, if you've been with us before, we just so appreciate you because the more the scarier. That's right. And if you want to uh, contact us, if you have any recommendations or if you want to request a movie for us to cover, where can they contact us? Um, I'm always lurking on Instagram and it's Midnight Mass Creature Cast. All right. Um, and oh, oh yes. Ahead. And we are we're part of the Suplex City Limits Network. We want to shout them out. Um, shout out to Spitball Media Podcast, of course. Um, was there anything that I forgot? Uh, the next time that you are with us, folks, we're going to be doing Peter Jackson's The Frighteners from 1996. Oh, yes, that's right. Michael J. Fox and D. Wallace. And I'm going to be dressed up as Jake Busey. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get a, I'm going to get like a a special kind of denture, you know, to get those teeth going. There you go, Mr. Busey. (laughs) Um, so until then, we hope you stay spooky. Okay. Okay.